some of my favorite recipes that give me a lift when I'm feeling a bit down in the dumps. Self care. <laughs> nice. As soon as you said it, it's like I started thinking about yeah. Eeyore from from Winnie the Pooh. Yes. It doesn't yeah. matter if my tail fell off. It's <laughs> always does that poo. <laughs> Time for a special isolation edition of Eat This with Leanne. Here's Leanne Philipson. Is eating really a form of self-care? And how do we use food to slow down and appreciate what we have? You've seen on social media posts declaring that stress spelled backwards is desserts. So that makes eating all the treats a form of self-care somehow, right? Dude, yes! I don't know. Well, I tell you to eat a rainbow of fruits and vegetables every day and that that's good for your mind and body. But then what about that TV commercial where everyone looks happy and love like they have it all together and they're eating the latest and greatest food to hit the supermarket shelves? Well, my friend, there's a lot more to talk about when it comes to self-care in general, but of course, with a focus on food. This is the first of two, let's call them a special edition of Eat This with Leanne, where we're going to go there. While some of you may think that I've gone all woo on you, no, I really haven't. (gasps) I'm doing this as much for me as I am for you. More on that a little later. In today's episode, I'm featuring an interview with Gail Marie. She's a master mood coach and a spiritual counselor. We are going to get her to take on everything self-care, healing, and wellness. Plus, I pry her for some take-home strategies that you can start applying today. So today on Eat This with Leanne, self-care and food. We'll talk about caring for your body and mind as it applies to food and some of my favorite recipes that give me a lift when I'm feeling a bit down in the dumps. Self-care talk is everywhere these days. I remember when it was kind of first introduced into our culture a few years ago, well, probably more than that. Everyone wanted to talk about self-care, whether it was meditation, do your yoga, have a long bath, go for a long walk, or light those candles. It became a thing to do. And of course, it had to be scheduled in because of our busy lives. And don't get me wrong, I love all those things. I especially love taking long walks and being in nature because it really helps me to feel calm and to ground myself. I've had to do that a lot during our time in quarantine and more so with all the things going on all over the world. With my business being completely online, it's hard to shut off. And so taking a break from my work physically and moving, get it end as well as getting out, has turned from being helpful to essential. At the same time, I do believe we've gotten self-care wrong as a culture. There's this kind of idea that self-care is more about self-indulgence rather than feeling centered and taking care of yourself. It's tossed around so much these days, and I think we've forgotten what it really means. I think a lot of companies, brands, organizations use the whole idea of self-care as a way to get you to buy more of their stuff and more of their products because, you know, you can't meditate without having the right pillow, the right gear, or I don't know, can you? I think you can. Self-care is sometimes hard work too. Like, what is it? 
it's not just about shutting off and escaping the world, like indulging in those long baths or binge watching a show on Netflix. It's really about embracing the world in so many ways. How about reflecting on yourself and what needs to be looked at? Maybe making a change that you can find your way forward from a place where you're feeling a little bit stuck. Lately, I've actually been finding myself feeling pretty wiped out. My self-care further to my morning walks, sometimes my yoga and my meditation, well, there was nothing happening further to that. And on my hour-long walks every morning with my dog, it actually became more of a mission on my to-do list. I'd think about what I was going to listen to as I brushed my teeth and drank my morning lemon water before I'd head out. I'd choose an inspirational podcast, maybe an audiobook, or do a replay from a summit conference or something that I might have not been able to listen to online. I was taking it in all of it through my headphones as I walked. Anywhere I walked, actually, I'd be focused on what was coming in my ears instead of what was around me. Well, that was until I spoke with somebody about how I was feeling really disconnected with myself. And I was like wondering why everything felt like such a struggle and things were just not coming together. My memory was not retaining the simple things and I'd have to rest after an hour-long Zoom meeting with a client. I wondered what on earth was going on. Well, it turns out that the self-care wasn't going on. My distraction, feeling like I had to keep on going, keep on producing, being productive, couldn't or wouldn't rest, and it all came crashing down. It wasn't until I started our rehab series over the past few weeks that I realized that I was even eating at my desk the exact thing I was telling you what not to do. So yes, I stopped that, hopefully, along with you. And I also stopped listening to anything on my walks. I just go, listen to the birds, watch them fly, see what's happening. I've actually seen two turtles on my walks, which is insane. And really just trying to soak it in. I also started taking breaks after my meetings, really slowing down what I put on myself because it's all about me. And I think it's actually started to help. So I guess that was part of the motivation for this episode. I figured if I'm feeling this way at the stage of isolation where we're at, or just life in general, there could be one or two of you out there that might be feeling the same. All right, so let's get to my interview with Gail, who kindly woke up super early because she lives in Queensland, Australia. So she came to us from our home to speak to me and share with you what she has to say about self-care, relationships, and food. All right, well, thank you so much for being along with me today, Gail. Um, tell me a little bit about, or tell us a little bit about yourself. How do you approach wellness and self-care um, as you are a spiritual counselor and a healer? Well, I've been a spiritual counselor, um, Leanne, for oh, about 22 years now. And I guess the reason I went into um, counseling was because uh, there was uh, a bit of chaos around me and I didn't have the skills to figure it out. So I did a traditional counseling course, but at that time, I also came across A Course in Miracles. I don't know if you've heard of that before. I have and heard of A Course very, of Miracles. Book with very, very thin pages, you can almost see through them. And so I 
I intertwined the two of those. I mean, I didn't do that consciously, but that's what happened. So the counselling course gave me skills and the Course in Miracles gave me an understanding of personal responsibility. So they intertwined beautifully. And so it helped someone who, um, you know, if you meant that if you want something to happen in your life, you could create it. And so that's how I became a spiritual counsellor. There was no such thing as a spiritual counsellor back then. I was just a weird (laughs) counsellor. Yes, I understand. Obviously, you know, this is a a podcast about eating and food, but I I thought it was really important that we talk about self-care. That's what this episode is all about. I personally have been... Uh, not self-caring as much as I need to. And I'm sure a lot of listeners can probably hold their hand up and say, you know, say the same thing. And one of the questions that I came up with is that we live in a significantly less spiritual culture, although we do have all of these, I don't know, people moving forward and doing more things authentically and trying, you know, trying all of these things. As a culture, we still prize productivity overall. That just seems to trump everything or especially in my world anyway that resonates with me so I can see how positivity impacts health anybody really with self-care and food and how they decide to prioritize which so can you share with us how you help your clients to see what's most important for them yeah I'm not sure that my clients would actually even think of themselves as spiritual but they don't necessarily fall into the mainstream and and I think that's why they come to me so my clients are usually suffering emotionally so whether um, it's they're eating because they've suffered emotionally or but it's usually to do with what's well, always to do with relationships because we all it's always the relationship either with ourselves or someone else that we have a problem with and that's why we eat or do anything that we do but there's um, they have some sort of pain so they have emotional pain they're either divo- um, getting divorced they're breaking up with their partner they're not happy with their partner they don't have a partner so there's a relationship element to that and then they then they have other problems you know like they're eating or, or whatever that is and they supplement that so um i've been a catalyst for change for a really long time and i find that the people who are stuck they don't seem to come to me i attract people who are moving forward and i think that's because i just my motto is keep moving forward and mm. i didn't make that up i think that was walt disney's <laughs> Right. Very good. Keep moving forward. So I guess I give them um, three things. I give them a new perspective. So show them what's happening in their life from a different perspective. I help them to clarify what they want Mm. and then how to focus on that. And that seems to work for them like a charm. Okay, so can you give me an example of something? So there was a lady I had recently and she was said, um, you know, I'm in a, well, she described it later on as being in a really dark place. And so she reached out for me and said, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not doing well here. I don't want to be around anymore. And, uh, and so I went through with her, you know, um, looking at what was happening in her life. And what happens is that when you're in the forest, you can't see anything but the trees, Right, And so a broader perspective is more if you have a drone and the drone is flying over the top of the forest, that drone can see not only the forest, but what's beyond and what's outside of it as well. So that's having a broader perspective. And so when you get that perspective, whether somebody um, shows it to you and then you can adopt it yourself, you start to apply that 
to life and suddenly life is different because there isn't only one right way there's not one right answer there's not one way of doing things mm -hmm. there are many many perspectives many ways of doing things and i don't like this thing about there's only one way and you've got to do it the right way right i think we got stuck when we were young being taught that and it's like that's just not true and with the work that you do with um, helping these purpose-driven people uh, in shedding their old beliefs and manifesting happiness and their life dreams and what what three steps could you share with listeners that they could do today to help prioritize their self-care well i often get asked um, by professional women yep. the one thing i get asked by them is how do i combine my spiritual life into my um, my work because it's like, okay, I can do this when you're, um, when I'm at home. I can do this, you know, um, when I'm sitting uh, in the lounge and focusing on my meditation, you know, I find that. But as soon as something else from the outside comes in, there goes my spirituality. And right. I, I found it a difficult question for quite a while because you take yourself with you. So it was like my priority has always been how I feel. And so we have what we call a mood barometer, and that gauge helps you to gauge where you are and how you want to feel mm -hmm. um, because only about um, so the first step I give people is a connection they have to find a connection and the connection is to their source the broader part of them the bigger part of who they are because only 10% of you comes into the physical body the other 90% stays behind and guides you and that's what we call your higher self your guidance um, the broader part of you whatever that is and you need to feel that connection to live your purpose in life so that connection is really really important so that's the first step the second part is I help people with setting up a morning routine because we believe that before you even get out of bed in the morning your day has already been set up so before you do your yoga or go for a walk or whatever that is, as soon as you become semi-conscious even, I know that I can hear those or feel those thoughts go through my mind first thing that I'm not even conscious of them and I catch them and think, oh, oh hang on a sec. And I catch those thoughts and I wind a golden light around them and think, okay, okay, hang on a sec. Is yep. this how I want my day to go? So people have already set up their day before they even get out of bed. So yeah. we set up a whole routine. And the other part I think is important is journaling. People, if they could just journal for 10 minutes at the end of the day, then what they do is they just get rid of all that stuff that they've been thinking about during the day and they can just dump it onto a, a sheet of paper or, or whatever it is. It's, I find it longhand is the best. And I have it beside my bed at night. So if I wake up with something that's a, an idea, I can write that down. Not that I can read it back again, but... <laughs> 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 middle middle of the night writing absolutely exactly um, yeah. but yeah writing that down so we find that people who um, will journal just for 10 minutes in the evening and the journaling is about appreciation so it's something that I've appreciated and if I can't find anything I'll make it up right <laughs> because what happens is first thing in the morning you actually um you stop thinking during the night and then the first thing in the morning you take up where you left off you want to leave off in a really great frame of mind. That's interesting because I, I do and also know a lot of people that journal first thing in the morning 
as opposed to at, at nighttime. And I, I don't have the practice of, of writing in my journal all the time, but if I'm really stuck, then I'll pull it out and then just do a bit of a brain dump on it. Or, or uh, someone once taught me a stream of consciousness where you don't actually take your pen off the paper. And I can imagine for people who are looking for answers in the fridge, in the cookie jar, and, you know, in the freezer, in the ice cream tub, then maybe pivoting towards picking up that journal and, again, just doing an emotional dump of where you're at and what it is that's going on for you. That could could also at any time of day, almost. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I journal different times of the day. During the day, you know, things come up. That's a great way to deal with it is, is to journal. And also, like you're saying, just automatic writing. So just begin writing and whatever comes out of your subconscious, just let it form onto the paper. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and having routines, I find you, your mind loves routines. So whether you do that, sit down at two o'clock in the afternoon and say, okay, well, this is the time because that's the time when I reach for food. Ah, <laughs> perfect. Where I'm going to sit down and I'm going to, you know, just write and write and write and write. And, uh, and I have a rule that whenever I spend a lot of time on the computer because we do a lot of um, coaching via the computer, so I have a rule that I never, ever eat while I'm on the computer. I've talked about that in the, probably the past three or four lunch rehab, dinner rehab, all the rehab episodes that I've done over the past probably three or four weeks. And it's huge because not eating in a mindful way has a huge physiological effect on the body. So anyone can go back to those past few episodes if they want a little bit more on the dinner rehab and the lunch rehab, but it's so easy just to throw something together on a plate or in a bowl and then go just head back to your desk. So thank you for saying that again, because it's a, it's a really tricky one. You know, you're doing that when, you know, you, the bowl's empty and you think, I don't even remember eating that. Totally. Mindless, not mindful eating, mindless eating. Absolutely. So how would you recommend someone maybe overcoming looking for happiness and some peace and giving themselves some self-care from their next mouthful? So we've already discussed maybe journaling, but is there anything else you might suggest? Well, we found that most people are looking for happiness in all the wrong places. So um, in food, in other people, uh, in trying to control situations is another one. Okay. So they're looking for happiness outside of them. And so until you find that connection, then happiness is not going to come. And everybody wants to feel happy. Happiness is innate within us, you know, um, and we all want to feel that surge of happiness because we have those endorphins and just like when we exercise. Um, so, and everybody wants a happy life. But not many of us know how to create happiness in our lives. And so that's why we look for it in things outside of us, whether it's food or other people to make us happy or trying to control situations so that we will be happy. Yes, yes. And when you say connection, you said that actually earlier as well. When you say connection, can you expand a bit on that? So, you know, so listeners know what you're talking about. Yeah, your connection is within. It's um, it's connecting to who you really are, to that broader perspective to that broader part of you. So the part that we call your higher self or the non-physical, um, you have guidance there that didn't come into this physical body. And the reason it's there is because 
it doesn't judge or have choices the way you do. So it sees life from a higher perspective. That's why we call it a higher perspective. It does not have judgments. So when you can tap into that connection, whether it's via meditation or um, relaxing, uh, then you can actually make better choices for yourself. So whether it's via food or um, deciding, you know, um, what partner to go with or, or you know, what's good for you, you, when you have that connection, then you can make better choices. So that connection, if I'm explaining this right, I have an understanding of this, but I'm just thinking about my listeners may be thinking, okay, so how do I get to find that connection? I think that it's the voice that when you come to a stop sign and you kind of think, oh, I'm not sure which way to go today. And there's just a very perhaps a little kind of quiet voice that says, turn left. Or you get some sort of vision of what it's like to go left or whatever. And is that the kind of thing that you're talking about? And then actually listening and acting on it by, you know, indicating and turning left or to do the food. Then there's also that of there's all the voices saying, go get the cookie, go get the cookie. So how do you quiet, quiet yourself enough to, to be able to hear? Connection is about differentiating as well. So differentiating, and that's where mood comes in because we, we use mood mastery. So when you're feeling great, yes. you're connected. So we have a, a scale. And so it goes anywhere from, you know, feeling fear uh, and unhappiness right through to feeling joy and appreciation. And when you're feeling appreciative, you are connected. You're connected with your higher self, which means that you're going to make better decisions. So when you're feeling great, your decisions are going to be better. Um, and I've had exactly the same thing before. We pulled up at a stop sign uh, at a red light one time and, and it was at a night time. We'd been out somewhere. We had a bundle of kids in the car. They were next door neighbours' kids as well. We, we also have a bunch. <laughs> so there must have been about seven or eight kids in the car. My husband was driving and we were the only one at the stoplights and the lights turned green and he just sat there and I'm thinking why are you sitting here and I didn't say anything and there was nobody else around and then suddenly from beside us this car comes screaming through the lights and wow really in front of us and he went through or he I don't know he or she they went through a red light and had we have gone on a green light we would have been collected god knows who would have died wow but it was, and I said to my husband, I said, didn't you realize that was a green, why were you sitting there? And he said, yes. oh, was I? I didn't realize. Mm. And so something told him, because he was connected, something told him, um, just stop, don't go anywhere. Yeah. And so he didn't, he didn't even see the green light. Wow. Fascinating. And so it's being connected, that means you're guided and everybody wants to feel guided. It's those, it's not even an inner voice. It's a, it's, it's a part of you. Yeah. Um, so it's not even separate to you. So when you're feeling great, you're connected to that um, part of you that that makes great decisions and is living your purpose. Um, and and that's where we all want to be. And it's happy. It's a happy place. And I think most listeners are thinking, yes, I'd love to be there all the time. But there's a lot of reasons right now not to be with everything that's going on in the world is just to feel pretty discombobulated. So yeah. Okay. So I read this this uh, quote on your website. Happy, happiness doesn't happen by default. Can you tell me a bit more about that? Yeah. Yeah. We say a lot that happiness is cre created by design, not, not by default. Okay. And, uh, 
And, and it happens with a lot of things. You know, um, I think we just expect that we know how to be happy, that we were born that way and that we're going to be happy. And if I'm not happy, I know I felt that when I was younger, that if I'm not happy, then I was given a bad lot in life. You know, some people are right. just happy and other people aren't. But like a lot of things, it's a learned behaviour. So you know how you're not born knowing how to eat and you're not born knowing how to exercise. It's a learned behavior. So people need to learn how to eat properly and they need to learn how to exercise well. And, and so they're all learned behaviors and so is happiness. Even sleeping is a learned behavior. Not all of my mm. kids when they were born knew how to sleep. And so happiness is also a learned behavior. And so I think people beat up on themselves a little bit too much when they think, oh, we're not happy. You know, we should be happy. And it's like it, you, you haven't learned how to do that. There is a oh. plan. There is actually a formula to create happiness. And if you're not happy, it's understandable because you haven't been taught that formula. Mm -hmm. um, and so it is worthwhile learning that because then you're not going to be happy all the time. People get to a place where they think, okay, now I've learned this. I should be happy all the time. And it's like, no, 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 no. We learn through contrast. We have to have contrast in our lives. It's the contrast that actually makes our life interesting. It's the contrast that actually helps us to make decisions that are different to what we would have normally. And so we need to go through those contrasts, but we don't get stuck on them. So when we can actually say, okay, I know what I don't want. Now I'm going to turn my attention to what I do want and feel as good as I can as often as I can. Feel wow. as good as I can as often as I can. That is then moving yourself into that place of feeling happy. And you're doing it by design. It's not by default. You don't just suddenly become happy and think, oh, yes, that's great. I'm happy now. Because if you do, it's usually something outside of you that's created that and it's difficult to repeat it. Mm -hmm. So you want to feel empowered by actually cre um, having a, creating your own happiness so then you can repeat it over and over again. Does that make sense? It does. I think the pressure to be happy all the time and, as you said at the beginning, to be doing the right things and there's only one way, and I talk about this so much on this podcast, is you can, you know, take, just take one mouthful at a time and that's really all you can do. And in the next moment, if the wheels are falling off and your default is to head for the fridge, for the food, for the snacks, for whatever that looks like, for the booze, for the cigarettes, for whatever it happens to be to find your comfort, then okay, that's just what you're doing in that moment. But I think when you can start to see that that's the pattern, then that's perhaps more when the opportunity to do something different next time. We, and that, we actually have a saying in our clinic that says, um, you know, if, if people aren't ready to move forward, that's okay. It will get worse. Right. <laughs> people have their own threshold and sometimes things need to feel like I just, I've had enough. I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired before they'll right. change their eating habits or before they'll change their exercise habits or before they change their mindset. It's like, I've just had enough. And we find that when you do change your mindset and become happy, you create a habit of happiness. What happens is you actually, your eating habits change anyway because right. you're better about yourself and the weight just drops off. We've had a lot of success, success stories like that and it's like a byproduct. Yes, I've, I 
I've experienced that myself and with a lot of clients. Once we actually focus on just eating good food, just add a few more vegetables in, pile up your plate a little bit higher with something else and you start to, I think a little bit like that gratitude journal that you're talking about before you go to bed, when you're writing down the good things, it's just changing the focus towards, oh yes, I get to eat this. Oh, I, I, oh yes, I had this great experience. And then all of a sudden you forget that you didn't eat the chocolate bar or two during the day like you normally would and then things start to balance out you lose the taste for it you lose the want for it because your focus is elsewhere I don't know to me to me that sounds like the epitome of self-care this is something that no one else can do for us unfortunately I think we can have people alongside us at the time to you know to hold our hands or to to keep us going but really, this is something that we have to work on ourselves. So thank you so much for offering these incredible tools. I hope listeners who, you know, have got a lot out of this and uh, yeah, and I'll, I'll put a lot more information, but let us know where, where listeners can find you. And then I'll also put that in the show notes on leannephillipson.com. Sure. I put a self-care package together for your listeners. So I'll leave a link with you and you can um, pass that on. And, uh, and thanks for having me, Leanne. It's been wonderful. Oh, fantastic. Okay. So definitely head over to leannephillipson.com for that self-care package from Gail. Thank you so much. And thanks for talking to me because I know you're on the other side of the world in Australia. It's a whole other time zone over there. So thanks so much for taking the time. (laughs) Straight from her happy place, you're listening to a special isolation edition of Eat This with Leanne Philipson. Wow, Gail, thank you so much for your insight and sharing tips like the morning and the nighttime routines. I'll be adding the nighttime one in for sure. I think what stood out for me from what Gail said, actually, I found this quote on her website. You're not happy by chance. It's a process that takes practice and the advantages are life saving. So with that said, I promised you some of my go-to recipes for when I'm feeling down in the dumps. And there's always something simple because I'm not a stress eater. My appetite goes out the window when I'm not feeling great. So sometimes it's actually a struggle to remember to eat something. So first of all, the simplest thing is just a banana and almond butter. Maybe an apple if I've got one. It's a no-fuss snack, uh, maybe even for breakfast, that I can stop and enjoy, even if I'm not like, you know, hungry, hungry, but I know I need to eat. My six-minute self-care bowl is my next go-to. So this whole thing totally takes under 10 minutes. Uh, First of all, I boil water for my egg. While that's happening, I fill up a bowl with some greens that I've got hanging around, maybe a bit of spinach or baby kale. Um, Lately, I found watercress and arugula together, so I've had that. Then I sprinkle on some hemp seeds. I squeeze half a fresh lemon onto it, drizzle it with olive oil and a little splash of truffle oil. Some coarse salt, some fresh ground pepper, and after about seven minutes when my egg is done, I run it under cold water, peel it, split it in half, and let that egg ooze all over the greens. That's it. I am done. And while you think, yeah, she's a nutritionist that goes for the greens, there's no chocolate in this. Truthfully, this is something that makes me feel good because it's also from a memory of being with a really great friend of mine. You know what I'd actually really like you to do is to just sit for a moment and feel. Like, get out of your head with all that thinking that you and I, we do it all day long. And just be in the moment and just, I don't know, just feel. 
it's a challenge at times. I'm right there with you. And as Gail shared, it's something to practice. So don't give up on it. And the next time that you think that something from the fridge or the pantry is going to soothe you, do this again. Try and get out of your head. Honoring how you feel in the moment is what I believe to be the ultimate self-care. Well, that went deep. Didn't quite expect to share all of my story with you, but I hope that it helps you in some way now that I have. It's okay sometimes not to be okay. And while it might look like or sound like I've got it all figured out, nope. So take what sticks from this episode and forget the rest. You know, we're all working our way through this. So like I said, I hope this helps. But do pass it on because we really don't know what's going on for people behind closed doors, behind the scenes. And we don't always see that from the outside in. And there may be someone that you just say, hey, have a listen to this. You don't know whether they need it or not, but you know, they might. Head on over to leannephillipson.com for all of Gail's details. And she also was so kind as she mentioned, she made us an Eat This Mindset Package. Thanks for listening today and hanging in until the end with a topic that I don't really tend to talk about as much as I have in this whole episode. And as always, eat this one mouthful at a time. <laughs>